Do you have aspirations to be a leader in your business or organization? Welcome to Leadership Stars with your host, Linda Patton. Each week, we feature true leaders recognized in their fields who provide insight and ideas in creating a strong team and how you can become an effective leader. Now, here is Linda Patton. Welcome. Today, um, we're, at, we're in a month of remembrance. Uh, it is May. Uh, Memorial Day is coming up in, in a week. And it's a very, very special time for those of us who either have been in the military, who have children who have been in the military, or maybe even have parents and grandparents who are military. So if you or someone you love has been in the military, then you know about that phone call, that visit that no one ever wants to receive. I remember my mom when I sent her a telegram um, because I was in Europe and I, I needed an answer to a question. She freaked out because in World War II, you didn't get a phone call. You didn't get a visit. You got a telegram that told you of something that happened to your loved one. And for this one mother, that 2009 phone call changed her life forever. And so I have Jill Stevenson on the, on the show today to talk about her son who gave his life for his country and how she has since devoted her life to speaking and advocating nationwide to help others turn that tragedy into something that's very meaningful and motivational as well as a whole new brand of success. So I'd love to welcome Jill Stevenson to our our show today. Jill, welcome. Thank you, Linda. Thanks for having me on. Oh, when when I heard about you from my very dear friend, Joanne Weiland, um, she'd heard you speak at an event that you did in Florida, and she was so moved by your story and what you've done since Ben's death um, and she said, you've got to have her on the radio show. So that was why I wanted you here. You have a powerful message to give to our radio listeners. So thank you. Thank you. Um, so let's let's start a little bit more about you first, and, and we'll talk about Ben. But I want to know, in a lot of ways, the, how you gained the strength that you have to do what you've done. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today. Sure. My background, if we speak in in corporate terms and and where I came from in my work, my background was in management and I grew into corporate banking and dealing with um, trusts and people with um, managing wealth is, is what that was in junior leadership roles. While I was doing that work, I was raising my son as a single mom, and he was my only child. And I watched him be very tenacious and very driven in, in everything that he did. And, and he, even as a, as a young child, was an inspiration to me. That, that helped me stay focused on what it is that I wanted to do and, and to be in that support role and that mentorship role with my son. It's kind of funny how we ended up inspiring each other and, and that's not something that I ever really expected but as I as I grew in in my career I I felt something missing you know there was kind of this this calling that I that didn't have a name and I didn't know what it was and 
And little did I know that 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 calling would come from my son's life and then eventually his death. Mm-hmm. It was more about the way that he lived his life and, and what I have been able to do since his death. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 as I mentioned earlier, um, Ben did die in Afghanistan, correct? Yes. He actually was wounded in Afghanistan. He died stateside. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I find that all very interesting. Do okay. I'll I'll ask the the tough question. So he had a leg injury, correct? Yes. And within what seven days, um, he went in or he went into coma, and then he died eight days later. Um, what just out of curiosity, what was the cause of of those kinds of complications? Because it it sounds I don't want to say very straightforward, but it's something that the military physicians are trained to deal with. So what happened? Ben was shot on July 10th. He was shot in the leg by a sniper mm-hmm. of, a, of a firefight with, with Taliban snipers. He was treated on the scene by his fellow brothers in arms, Army Rangers. Mm-hmm. As many people may or may not know, Army Rangers are trained first responders because they're in that special operations community and they, they uh, engage in a lot of dangerous uh, dangerous things and so they're, they're able to treat each other on the spot. He was given the best care he possibly could in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. He was airlifted from the scene a, a short time later and underwent surgery at a hospital in Afghanistan. At that time there was a, a lot of injuries. There was a lot of um, fatalities with with what was happening in that particular area so much to the point that the hospital was filled and they had set up a secondary hospital near the front lines Mm -hmm. that's where ben had his surgery the surgery went fine Uh, it was truly a bullet bullet wound to the leg there was uh no concern about his leg that injury and when i received the phone call that ben had been shot and that he'd been shot in the leg the first question that popped into my mind was, is his leg going to be okay? You know, right. I have this, this picture in our mind we get with combat injuries that, you know, we lose that, that men and women lose limbs. And that mm-hmm. was with Ben. I was told that his leg was fine uh, and that he was in recovery. However, he hadn't woke up. Uh. What happened when Ben was lying in that state of recovery, he had a cardiac arrest. And he, they were able to get him breathing again um, by some artificial means. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, um, it was discovered that the defibrillator that was on hand nearest him was not functioning properly. There were there were batteries that were supposed to be in place, and they were not. And it was also discovered that there was a an alarm going off. Uh, sounding on the oxygen tank that Ben was breathing from, which didn't mean he wasn't receiving oxygen. He wasn't receiving it at the level that he probably should have. Mm-hmm. And so Ben Ben was revived and 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 stabilized, and then uh, eventually transported to Lonsdal Hospital Army Medical Center in Germany, where he spent about 24 hours, and then um, moved forward to Walter Reed. In Washington, D.C. He arrived to Walter Reed four days after he was shot. 
and it was determined the very next day that he was brain dead. It was uh, determined by manual testing, something that they they thought it was looking like that was his condition, but they, they wanted to wait till he got to Walter Reed to make that assessment. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they did make that assessment by manual testing and told informed me that they would have to do a very specific test to determine without a doubt that there was no blood flow into his brain. That test is something that is not easily accessible. It's very cumbersome and the patient has to be very stable. So that, that wasn't available for several more days. And what mm-hmm. that did was bought more time, more time to spend with Ben. Um, although I, I had a pretty good idea of what his, you know, what the outcome was going to be. There's, there's no waking up from brain death. They're right. up from comas all the time. But to go, to go backwards and ask, you know, a, a very simple, um, treatable wound, um, how does a guy go from getting shot in the leg to being brain dead is a question that many people have asked me. And the answer is, there isn't a straight answer. There's not one particular incident. You know, the things that I mentioned with the defibrillator and an oxygen machine are not the cause of Ben's death. They contributed to Ben's death. You know, a gunshot wound is a traumatic injury to his body. And, and in the end, what it proved is that the traumatic injuries to his body were more than he could recover from. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that, that, that really sums it up. It, it, although it seems very survivable, we can look at people who sur- survive horrific car accidents and, and walk away and we go, oh my goodness, how did that happen? Or, you know, recover from terrible injuries. And, and we, we know people who've gone in for very minor routine surgeries and don't survive. It's life. Yes. Uh, and I, I, I so understand that, Jill, that um, there were a, a cascading uh, amount of things that didn't go quite the way they expected. I mean, in, in essence, the emergency room where he went in uh, to begin with almost was in a code black situation where they had too many injuries for the resources that they had to be able to treat them. And you're absolutely correct that there there are cascading events here that were augmented by equipment failures that led to the tragedy that that you felt and you know f- for that um i i so understand that and under you know having been a nurse um and i've seen things like this happen and there's always that you wonder why why now but there were some key things that came out of ben's death um as far as uh other people who needed him so Jill, tell our audience just a bit about uh, what happened to Ben's body um, after he was declared dead. Okay. Well, that brain death enabled Ben to become an organ donor. And when, when the doctors sat with my mother and I the day after he arrived to Walter Reed, when, he, when they told us that they believed he was brain dead, the first question they asked was, would you be willing to consider organ donation? Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I didn't hesitate. I said, absolutely. The reason I didn't hesitate is because when I was 15, I lost my 11-year-old brother. He was hit by a car, killed instantly, revived by 
a highway patrolman that happened to be two cars behind the car that hit him. And he was determined to be brain dead 10 days later. Mm. In 1982, Minnesota, where I come from, this was the very beginning of when organ donation was even being done. And so they, uh, my family uh, agreed to have my brother be an organ donor. So in 1982, he donated his eyes and kidneys. And it's something that, that I never forgot, something that I spoke about, we spoke about as a family. And it's something that I spoke to Ben about in his growing up years. So it wasn't an, an unusual topic for me, something very familiar. When the doctors questioned whether or not I would be willing to do that for Ben, I, that's where I, I, there was no hesitation. But because Ben was 21, that decision would be up to him had he made note of that somewhere. Mm-hmm. to find documentation that he completed prior to that deployment. The Rangers complete a living will prior to each deployment, giving them opportunity to express their final wishes should they not come home. One of the questions in that living will asked, in the event of your death, do you wish to be an organ donor? And Ben wrote in yes. And the next question asked, which ones? And Ben wrote in any that are needed. And so when he was removed from life support, actually his organs were, <laughs> the organs were removed prior to him being removed from life support because he, you know, he was right. purposely kept in a, in a living state for those organs. And his donations directly saved the lives of four people. And that's with the donation of his heart, kidneys, and liver. And additionally, he enhanced the lives of about 55 more with the donation of the bone, skin, and tissue. Wow. That's that, that's a lot of people to have been helped from just one individual yes. and, and from the courage to um, donate their organs. Um, so um, things like eyes and that kind of thing were not um, part of uh, his donation, yes? They, they weren't for Ben because he was in Afghanistan and mm-hmm. apparently there is uh, an eye disease that's very common among the people in Afghanistan that's airborne. And so that the risk was, was too great for that. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with that because Ben had very beautiful blue eyes and I, and I thought, you know, they, they would just stay intact. Then. That's, that's amazing. Um, and I find that that's, really um, the gift that keeps on giving um, to the people that actually receive all of those items. Um, And for that, we thank him very much for that part of his service. Um, So you've, you've um, gone on to speak about this um, to other groups and, and other organizations. And is that to encourage organ donation or something else along those lines? Well, it's to encourage organ donation and to tell people my story as I mentioned, losing my brother when I was very young, organ donation has, has been a part of you know, almost my entire life. And that the, the effect that it has on people, on, on our loved ones, on other families is infinite because it goes on generation to generation. The, the man who received Ben's liver just recently became a grandfather. Oh. You wouldn't know that grandchild had it not been for Ben's donation. And I can connect the dots back to my brother. Let's go 1982 to my brother's donation is directly tied to this man being able to love his grandchild in 2018. Mm -hmm. 
Now, do, do you all keep track of the organ donations that either your brother or Ben have given as far as uh, you, you talk about the, the gentleman who got the liver um, and being able to see his grandchild? And I know that the woman who got uh, Ben's heart um, does reside in um, Illinois. And uh, that's part of the story um, in the book that you wrote with Bill Lunn, um, Heart of a Ranger. Yes. Yeah, I, I've been very fortunate to have contact with the, the heart, kidneys, and liver recipients. And I was mm-hmm. able to meet them uh, all five months later, five months after, after Ben died. It doesn't always happen that way in, in the organ donation world. It's, it has to be agreed upon by, by both parties. Right. I've been fortunate to meet all those people and, and still am connected to all of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so there's an important lesson here that Ben gave to the world. And what, what was that? Gosh, <laughs> so, I mean, we, can, we can talk a whole hour about the, the lessons and the gifts that Ben gave, but in, in midst of what we're speaking of right now, it's, it's to be selfless and to put others first. And to sacrifice, you know, there's so much giving in sacrifice, in the name of sacrifice to the world and, and what that means and what people can take with them. And Ben did it twice. He did it on the battlefield, saving the lives of six of his fellow rangers when he stepped forward to, you know, go, go after the, that sniper that was shooting at them. And then he did it again upon his death when he saved lives with his organ donations. So he was, you know, twice a hero in that respect. And that is an amazing piece um, for him and for the world as well. And so, audience, while we take this two-minute break, I'd like you to think about um, your contribution to the world. Are you willing to, upon your death, um, give life to other people through an organ donation? Think about that, and we'll be right back. Voice America Women's Channel, a leader in the forward movement of women's success. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at DareToDreamWithLinda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, DreamWithLinda.com. Voice America is going live from Phoenix Comic Fest 2018. Tune in voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Check out all the fan favorites as we give you an inside look into the latest and greatest in film and television with on-site exclusive celebrity interviews, cosplay, comics, geekdom, and more May 25th and 26th starting at 1 p.m. Join the Voice America executives and Hollywood executives Summer Helene as we broadcast live on location. Check out hashtag Voice America, hashtag Behind the Scenes, and hashtag DYIG to follow the latest action on social media. Listen live at voiceamerica.com forward slash 
live events. Voice America CEO Jeff Spinard and VP Ryan Treasure will be live on site at 2 p.m. Friday for a special broadcast of Finding Your Frequency Radio. Then join Hollywood bad guys Summer Helene on Behind the Scenes Live at 4 p.m. Tune in, Voice America, the leader in live internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events. Voice America Women's Channel, a leader in the forward movement of women's success. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back. And I'm here with a, a fantastic Uh, guest Jill Stevenson and we're talking about her life and we're also talking about her son Benjamin Kopp's life and how he has inspired her and other individuals around the world with his his gift um, to the world and so Jill welcome back. Thank you. Um, Jill uh, let's go back into your life just a little bit. We talked about you know um, you know, Ben and his organ donation and all the um, brave stuff that he did in Afghanistan and rescuing um, fellow uh, rangers uh, and working. Uh, did he actually kill the sniper? I'm just curious. Uh, he did not. Okay. Did, I, I was told at some point later that uh, he was taken care of by the ah, okay. rangers. As, as something only Ranger Brothers would do, right? Right, and and can, and I just would like to add in here quickly that mm-hmm. I never, I never even asked about the other sniper window. Somebody asked me. You're actually only the second person who's asked me about the other sniper. It never, never, ever crossed my mind to think about who that other person was. Ah, okay, um, <laughs> interesting. Um, so, Jill. Um, Ben had a huge influence uh, in the military. Um, you know, he, it, you said in your package that you gave me that at age 13, he wanted to serve his country um, and expressed it with really great determination. So what connection did you have with the military prior to Ben stepping into that role? Well, I don't come from a military family, with the exception of my grandfather. He's the only one who served, and that is where Ben's influence came from. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very fortunate to have come from a young family, young parents, young grandparents, and in Ben's case, then you know, young great grandparents. And we spent a lot of time together at my grandparents' lake home in northern Minnesota. I spent time there as a child and had such wonderful experiences there, created so many lifelong memories. I wanted to share that with Ben and started bringing him up there when he was very young. And around the age of seven, he took notice of a curio cabinet that my great-grandfather had displayed in the cabin. And it was regarding his, in memory of his service in World War II. He was uh, in the infantry and served with the Minnesota Red Bulls. 
mm. and uh, served in North Africa. And he had some photographs and and he had a, he'd earned a Purple Heart and some medals in there and some certificates of service. And and Ben just began asking him about those items in there and wanted to know the details of them. And my grandfather told him that Ben Ben was very curious. He wanted to know really what it was like to to serve your country and to to all the things associated with being a soldier or being in the army. He wanted to know, you know, how do you dig a foxhole and, and you know, what's it like to go on that really long flight over the ocean? And, you know, he, he, his questions were what I would call relentless. And I, and I even thought a little bit annoying. <laughs> <laughs> he just wouldn't stop, you know, but my, my grandfather was a man of, of great wisdom and patience and, and, and he encouraged Ben to continue asking questions because it said that he, he meant he was thinking, that he had some good thought process going on, and we should encourage that. And so um, as Ben's relationship grew deeper with my grandfather and they spent more time together, the admiration for him grew stronger. And he started to say that he wanted to grow up and be just like him. He wanted to join the Army, and so he would – he would kind of bounce around and say, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to be just like you and join the army. And my grandfather would tell him, listen, kid, you don't become what somebody else is because you admire them. He didn't believe that imitation was a, a form of flattery. He believed that we all have our, our own purpose and a, a plan laid out for us and that in due time, we'll know what that is. And he explained to Ben that one day he would know what his purpose was and and not to say that it wouldn't be to join the military, but to be open to receiving his own sign, if you will. Mm-hmm. Jill, I think that's so fantastic. Um, my experience with the military came from my dad, uh, who also was in World War II. He had actually been in the Marines prior to the war, uh, got out when his enlistment was over, and then joined the Navy when he came back for World War II. He was a, a below decks rank. He was a petty officer um, and worked engineering uh, who wanted to be an officer and there was all sorts of mix-ups in the military as as there could be after a war when you've got all this paperwork that you're you're dealing with um, but he he and my mom had these great stories about being in the military the people who were in the military serving and all that which is part partly where my impetus came to um, also served my country. Um, however, um, I, I actually went to my dad and I said, are you going to be upset with me if I don't join the Navy, if I go to the Army instead? He said, you go where you're called, and and which is what I did. Uh, went through um, Black Officer Basic, met my husband there, which I think many of my audience knows. He was one of five single male officers on a post of 5,000 women. Um, and we just celebrated our 43rd anniversary um, on the 15th on the 17th of May. Um, so, yeah. Um, and his family, you know, I'm a Patton, um, not an O-N, but an E-N. We had uh, majors and colonels. Um, his family was very much West Point. Um, up until his uh, father's generation, 
there was always a patent at West Point, and his dad's generation had a lot of health problems. They had asthma and could not um, be part of the military. So Clark and his generation broke the mold, did not go to West Point, but most of them were in ROTC and went that way into the military. So my kids have a lot of um, history around military, and yet Clark and I never encouraged them or said, you got to do this, or you should do this, because neither of my girls had that purpose for their life. And so um, it's, it's very interesting that in this case, Ben saw his purpose in, in his great-grandfather um, and chose to join the Army. I think that's grand. Yeah, 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 he, he really did, and, and uh, he didn't... Well, none of us realized in those moments in that in that youth, you know, how quickly Ben would find his answer. Mm-hmm. That that answer came when Ben was thirteen, and my grandfather died from cancer at the age of eighty-two. And it was it was the first experience that Ben had with the death. And and this man was his hero. He he really worshipped. He seriously worshipped the ground that he walked on, and he wanted to become everything that my grandfather did. He 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 admired him so deeply, and they they had a very close relationship because we spent so much time there, and and it was something that that I loved just being being around the energy that the two of them had together was was very special. But Ben was very hurt by that by that death because his great grandfather was his hero, and he didn't know how to process it, and he told me he didn't want to talk about it. I didn't I didn't force him into having any conversation about that. You know, in part because I, I respected that he was grieving and I wanted him to do that in his own way. But, you know, he was also 13. And, you know, anybody who's had a teenage boy knows that it's kind of tough to get him to talk anyway. So, right. Oh, yes. Okay, <laughs> just kind of let him be and give him his space and, and save the, you know, the mumbling and grumbling for later. But it, his his voice returned five months later when 9-11 happened. Uh-huh. November 11, 2001. You know, Ben was, again, 13 years old, and, and uh, those events became part of our, our daily lives. You know, even at that time, they, they wheeled the televisions into the classrooms and, and let them watch that, and, and we were all glued to the TVs, you know, for weeks following that. But initially, you know, remember, Ben was, um, he was, he sheltered himself, kind of enclosed in, in himself in his own grief, and, and what happened with 9-11 um, that lit this fire in Ben's belly. And it was that exact fire that my grandfather had warned him about, or not necessarily warned him about, but it had forewarned him that this is something that would, that would, that would come and you're not going to know when, when it does. And, and who knew it would be five months later. Right. But ben, ben took the dying of innocent people on uh, American soil personally. It made him angry and it was a mockery of his great-grandfather's service to America. His great-grandpa fought for us to be free, and, and he wanted revenge. And so his sorrow, you know, in the, in the snap of a finger, turned to um, revenge and vindication. And that's when he made that declaration at that very wise age of 13, you know, that he was going to become an army ranger, find Osama bin Laden, and make him pay. <laughs> I, I will never forget that I will never forget that and, and anybody who knew him from that point on in his life 
did not doubt that he would make good on that promise. He never turned his eyes away from that goal. And, and to him, it, it was a goal. That was something he was going to become that the level of, of tenacity and drive that, that was in Ben um, just, it kicked up, you know, a hundred times. He never, ever, he never looked away from it and, and he made good on that promise. And, and that, that's where that, that influence came from, from him. And, and, and these are part of his, his characteristics, you know, part of his legacy is that, you know, Ben Cop had this incredible drive that you just, he never stepped away from. He had this, this tenacity and this, uh, this character that was unfaltering and unswavered. Uh, he is a man that I would have loved to have met. Um, so how did um, Ben's life really influence you as a leader? You said that you were in uh, corporate banking, which is another place that I've been. So we, we mirror our lives in, in some respects. Yeah. Um, but I was in HR, did training and development, uh, was not in the, the lines of, of the bank. But how, how did you lead prior to um, Ben's example, and then how are you leading currently? Prior, prior to that, I, gosh, um, I, all these thoughts are swirling in, like, which one do I start with? And <laughs> I, I know. Just go back to my grandfather again. And my grandfather was a, a wonderful human being, and he taught his children, his grandchildren, and his great-grandchildren to be confident in yourself and to trust what your own gifts are and to learn what they are and, and to grow where you're planted. And I took that with me in my role as a parent and, and what I wanted to teach Ben, to find what your own skills are and what your own natural gifts are and, and follow them and go after them because that, that's, that's what you're meant to become. And it, it's, it's an organic growth, if you will. And, and I, I, I used that with Ben. I wanted him, I encouraged him to make decisions on his own, to, to feel confident in who he was as a, as a person, to find the gifts that came natural to him. And I used that same mindset or skill set, if you will, when I was leading people in the corporate world. I, I'm, um, I'm not a micromanager. I, I believe that people, that we're all capable of finding our own gifts. And, and it comes easier sometimes when it's encouraged by other people. And, and so it, it crossed over those lines in my parenting and then in my, in my business um, career um, to be able to do that, to, to organically grow leaders, to encourage that amongst them. And, and, and Ben then helped me do that when he stepped into his life in the military. He, he joined just one month after he graduated from high school. Well, he joined actually early in his senior year. He signed up for the delayed entry program. And so then he left one month later and, and just went after what he said he was going to do. So he made good on that promise. He, he did what he said he was going to do and continued in that direction. And he encouraged me that way, too, that he stayed on that path and he was using those gifts that came natural to him. And so you do the same with the, the individuals who work with you. Uh, and Jill, you're not with the bank any longer. Is that correct? Correct. You formed your own company. Yes. And tell us just a little bit about that. 
I, I do my own. I do my own thing. I, I call myself a motivational speaker, and what I do is I tell my story. I, I tell my story in different directions that I have gone with my story. Of course, it's it's not parallel, completely parallel or linear, uh, as you and I spoke about. Mm-hmm. I can go a number of different directions with the military connection, with the organ donation, the veteran aspect of it, with me being a, a single mom. There's the mom aspect of it. Uh, the the parental part of that as well. And then there's a survival aspect of it. And essentially, you know, to sum up what it is that I speak about and and, uh, inspire to motivate or motivate to inspire is the overcoming of adversity. We all are going to have adversity in our lives. It's going to have different faces. And survival is is absolutely possible. And it's not... thriving, Thriving, you know, as a result of that, is even more possible. And I think that's the the real key to your message as well, is the fact that not only can you survive, but you can thrive after um, a catastrophic incident such as this, and that you can turn it into uh, an extremely positive, motivating, um, driving uh, goal towards helping others to understand how to work through this, um, how it can uh, support them, and how it can actually make them a better person than they were prior to. Because it all seems very devastating at the time that it happens. Um, And I think that can be very, very important. But I love the fact that you're dealing with all sorts of different communities, the military community, um, the single mom community, the veterans community, the survivors, the um, organ donors, because I, I think all of them have different aspects that need that support. They need that story that you have to tell about Ben and about yourself as well and how you came through on the other side in such a positive way. So, audience, what I'd like you to do is think about in the in the next two minutes, you know, where have you been in a situation where you feel like you've been brought down to your knees and that you don't know how you're going to survive it and actually thrive through it? And look at what Jill has done with uh, the death of her son and how that has created a really positive uh, ending for um, his life and a positive beginning for other people's lives. And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you left your corporate or military career to start your own business? Are you frustrated that you're not seeing the success you expected as an entrepreneur? Let leadership expert Linda Patton show you the key skills and mindset you need to engage your team, build your influence, and create the thriving business of your dreams. Linda Patton understands the challenges and frustrations facing a new business owner. Drawing from her own 40 years of experience in the military, corporate, government, and entrepreneurial arenas. That's why it's become Linda's life work to help women like you truly become the world-changing, extraordinary leaders you are meant to be. Are you ready to step in, step up, and step out into leadership to create an exceptional business and life? 
Start by scheduling a free 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at Dare to Lead with Linda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, leadwithlinda.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Voice America Women. Your passion starts here. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back. And I'm here with Jill Stevenson and talking about both her life and the impact that her son, Ben Kopp, had on not only her, but on his fellow soldiers, on the world of organ donation, um, helping with survivors to work through the tragedy to come out and thrive um, from those tragedies. Um, and so welcome back, Jill. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, the fact that you're a motivational speaker and that you're out there uh, telling your story um, to various groups and uh, that kind of thing. Um, so how are you currently involved with the military and with veterans besides speaking? Besides speaking, I, I don't have a formal relationship with any one organization per se or one, one nonprofit. But I am closely connected to the men that my son served with and in the, the Ranger Regiment and I've been a part of this community now. Well, Ben joined the service in 2006, but my relationships really grew after his death. So since 2009, yeah, Ben just planted in the community and, and looked at as uh, that um, picture of, of survival mm-hmm. and, and viewed as a, a connector for people. Um, my tagline on, on my website is leader, motivator, and connector. So I'm, you know, leading, leading the way like Ben did as a ranger, motivating people to keep going and connecting people to, to wherever their, their needs might be, wherever gaps may need to be filled in. Mm-hmm. And I've come to know those things from spending time in the community that, I, that I've been in. So the, the resources that I have are, are numerous and, and I'm viewed as a, kind of a mother figure, if you will. Well, not kind of, as a mother figure, <laughs> to, uh, 
to many of the men that, that served with Ben and many of whom I'm, you know, not nearly old enough to be their mothers, but they, they had put me in that mother role. And, you know, Ben, Ben was my only child. And, and I was told very early on that I may have lost my only son, but I gained about 600 more. And, and they weren't kidding. They weren't kidding. There's a lot of them who call me um, Mama Jill and, and there's a handful that have adopted me as a, a grandmother to their children as well. So I'm, I'm very fortunate that way. But uh, I'm always available. You know, my phone is never shut off. Um, there are there are men and women out there. It's not just the young men, but it's their, their significant others as well. And even their own parents who, who just look to me for guidance. And, I, and I'm, I'm here as much as I possibly can be for that. And we as a Grateful Nation also did recognize him with... Um, medals. Um, you said the Bronze Star, the Meritorious Service Award, and of course the Purple Heart. Um, yes. And it was a Bronze Star with Valor. Ah, with Valor, correct. Um, so all of those things um, to carry you forward and to help you to be that shining beacon for the men in his battalion uh, and his regiment and, and that kind of thing. So you worked with a gentleman named Bill Lunn. Yeah. Um, and wrote a book together called Heart of a Ranger. Tell us a little bit about that journey. That was, uh, Bill Lunn is a, was a journalist in the Twin Cities where I, I lived at the time where Ben grew up, Ben and I both grew up. And he was reading uh, his hometown newspaper, which was Winneka, Illinois, oh. online about two years after Ben died and came upon an article that was written about myself and Ben's heart recipient, a woman by the name of Judy Meikle. And did not know that there was like that connection. And he was kind of blown away by that and, and was like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that there was this connection here to where he was now and, and to Ben's heart recipient. He got in touch with me and asked if we could meet and we, we uh, ended up doing a story together. This was back in, uh, around, it, it happened around November of 2011 uh, to um, coincide with Veterans Day that year. Bill and I stayed connected over the years. And in 2014, his oldest son graduated high school, joined the Minnesota National Guard, and set off to Fort Benning, Georgia, to do his infantry training, which is exactly where Ben did his training. And he just he felt this um, what I come to call Benergy. It's the energy that <laughs> you know Ben still implants and touches us all with. And and Bill was just overcome by it, and and told his wife that he wanted to write a book about Ben's life and that he was going to reach out to me. And, and he did that when they got back, we met for lunch and he told me that he wanted to write a book. And, and I shared with him that I had been praying for about six months that somebody would come to me and offer just that because I knew that it was a powerful story and I wanted to share it, but I just, I couldn't bring myself to sit down and write it out in uh, three years in the making. Um, in fact, it was just, a year ago, um, on the 19th, that the book was released, and it's called Heart of a Ranger. It's the biography of Ben's life. That's amazing. And so, Jill, you've offered uh, a way for individuals to um, order the book. Yes. Would you tell them how they can do that? They can do that on my website, which is imjillstevenson.com. It's I-A-M-J-I-L-L-S-T-E-P-H. E-N-S-O-N.com, and I know those links will be on your website as well. They will, yes. There's a a place there they can actually order a a, a free mini version of that book. It's an e-book that there's a a sample 
chapter there that you can get a taste of it and then you can go from there um, and order it directly from Amazon via a link. Awesome. Um, Jill, just out of curiosity, how inspiring was it for you to work with Bill uh, in creating this book? It was, it was, gosh, it was very inspiring. And, you know, we, we all have our own gifts that, that we're able to bring to the table. And, and Bill, as a, as a journalist, has an, a natural um, inclination to find out more details and to dig deeper and, and has great resources to be able and skills to be able to do that. So he brought in aspects to the story that I would have never thought of. And, and that, that is so much of the reason why he was the, the better man, if you will, to, to write the book and not have all that emotion connected to it that I would have. And, and the way that it turned out is, is fantastic. And it's exactly the way I would have told the story and, and I'm in the order in, in which he did it. And uh, we, you know, over the years have become great friends and, and support each other and uh, we've done a number of speaking engagements and book signings together. And he recently mentioned at one of them that you know, Ben is somebody that he knows probably better than most people in his life, but he's never actually met him. Wow. Um, and, and that is, uh, that is something pretty special. And I, and I forget that sometimes, you know, he can almost finish a story that, that we're talking about that might come up. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. You know, he spoke to everybody who had a part of Ben's growing up years, and he learned, you know, historically things from my grandmother about my grandfather. And so he knows not only just Ben's personality, but his entire family's history as well. So he, he almost, uh, Ben, like, invited him to become a member of our family in a way. Oh, that's that's very, very, very powerful. Um, and I, I love something you said earlier, which was about Benergy. Yes. Uh, and, and the fact that that seems to exude... Um, from you, from others who read this, read the book, um, and and can actually feel you can. It's it's a legacy that he has left to us um, after his death. Yes. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, it started with um, where the turn came from. Is I I got Ben's and had a really um, a black pickup truck, very typical of a. A young ranger, you know, <laughs> you know, big tires on it. It was black, and I nicknamed it the Black Stallion. Very stoic, strong-looking truck. But one of his good friends asked me what it was like to drive his truck, and I and I started to describe how I felt this this protective energy in there with me. That it was something I had a hard time pinpointing, but I said it was like this presence that was in there, and and this this energy that made me feel like. I, nothing would happen to me while I was driving that truck. And she looked at me and she said, do you mean his energy? <laughs> and, and, you know, our eyes lit up. I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And, and, and the term has, has stuck. And so many people who become a part of my life and just first learn about Ben will then begin to have their own energy stories. It's, it's amazing. It's, and it's something that I absolutely love and it, it warms my heart. It, it validates so much and confirms so much and gives me a great sense of comfort that his spirit is still very strong and very much a, a positive influence on so many lives. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you still have the Black Stallion? I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. And I, I keep it in Minnesota. I live in uh, Northwest Indiana now, but I keep it in Minnesota with a good friend of his from high school. He takes care of it. And I love every time I, I go back for events and I get to go drive that truck and I, I feel that energy. 
I love it. So, Jill, you gave us uh, a really important lesson that you've learned uh, from Ben, which was to be selfless, to give, and to sacrifice. Do you have another couple to give to the audience? I, I think to, to trust that your life is always going to connect to something. Whether we see that or not, looking backwards, I mentioned my brother's death connecting to the grandchild of my son's liver recipient. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that we can't see in the present moment that we don't know are going to connect to our future. Having a trust that everything is going to connect and have a purpose, I think is really important. And along with that comes being kind as well. The kindness. Ben was known as being the best friend to everybody. He was so good to so many people and and that's part of his legacy and I think a big part of that was that he took that things from his childhood about being a friend to everybody forward and that's the legacy that he left and that that still is what connects me to so many people today is what Ben's character was. And Jill, I think that's that's also very evident in the fact that even though he was injured, he still went out to um, save six other members of his uh, uh, his regiment, uh, and that he he was selfless in that respect. You know, he could have stayed behind the lines and you know gotten treatment or whatever, but no, he felt an, uh, that overwhelming desire to. Uh, help his friends to be selfless, to give and to sacrifice, as well as because they were his best friends. Yes. Um, and he trusted that things would go well. He did. And I think, you know, and there's a term in the military they call, you know, they call it, we'll just say running and gunning or running towards the gunfire. Right. That's what men like Ben did. And they still do. But we also have the ability to do that in life. And it doesn't, it's not about gunfire. It's just about running towards the, the fight, if you will, and being that light for people. And that's where, that's where I like to see myself being, is being that light that's going to that's gonna lead the way and go forward and, and then be able to reach back to those people and say, come on, we can do this together. We can do this together. Right. And that's truly what a leader does is they're out front and their, their followers are, are within reach of them and they reach behind and pull them forward with them. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's yep. That's exactly what Ben did. Yeah, and I love the fact that you talk about running and gunning, and and so in that respect, it's not ready, fire, aim, but it's ready, aim, fire, and make sure that you are um, on the right target. So, Jill, I'd love to thank you so very much for being on the show today. I think you've been an inspiration for everyone who's listening, um, and uh, I wish you the very, very best of luck and uh, grace um, in 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 your life from now on. And I can't wait to see what's next for you. Um, Thank you so much for having me on. You're so very welcome. And audience, remember that if you'd like to know more about um, building momentum in a movement and or herding cats, then please send me an email at Linda at dare, the number two lead with Linda.com. And until next week, be courageous, dare to lead. We'll see you then. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Stars. Please join Linda Patton for another engaging edition of our program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. 
We'll feature another noted leader next week. 